All right. Well, definitely thankful to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity to preach. And if, for those who have known me very long, you know that I don't, I'm not a big talker. Uh, not big at talking in front of people. And uh, through my whole life, I was that way, and uh, even as a kid. And uh, you might say, well, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to have to talk in front of people. Well, exactly. So for years, I struggled with you know, that idea because I'd, I'd wanted to be a missionary since I was six years old. Um, but as I you know, got older, I struggled with the thought of, oh, man, I'm going to have to stand up there and talk to, talk to people. And through high school, even into college, it was a struggle. And even the thought was on my mind, maybe I'll just go and be a help to missionaries somewhere, use aviation, help missionaries. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, but you know, over time, through being at Heartland, being here at Southwest, and being under the preaching of God's Word, uh, the Lord just worked in my heart about the importance of church planning and just the need that there is, and not just going out to be a help to another missionary, but be who God wants me to be and planning churches. And, and so we're going to be looking today in John chapter 4. <clears throat> We're going to be in John chapter 4. Well, the passage we're going to be in covers verses 1, 1 through 42. I'm not going to read all of it for sake of time. Um, but we're going to read a few verses here and then just kind of skip down and read some other verses. So John chapter 4, and beginning in verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were, were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest me drink, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. We're going to skip down uh, to verse 39, toward the end of this passage. And it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I want to thank you so much for... Uh, the day you've given us, thank you so much for this conference and 
the ability to look into your word today and hear your word preached. I pray that you'd speak to hearts today and ask that you'd use me, use the other missionaries to just be a vessel for you and use us as we proclaim your word. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, speak to hearts and help us to see the great need that there is in this world. And pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. So kind of the background of how I came to this passage. About a year and a half ago, I read a book um, called uh, A Long Walk to Water. And it's written by, about a, well, it's actually kind of a two-in-one, two stories in one book, um, about a South Sudanese young girl and then a South Sudanese boy. And uh, the one story about the young girl takes place in about 2008, and the story about the young man takes place in 1980s. And so this young girl is uh, seen uh, walking every day, and the book makes it very clear. She walks every day for eight hours a day to go get water, and that's, that's her job. She's a young girl, maybe about, I'm not remembering the exact age, but about 10 years old. And eight hours a day, she'll go get water, bring it back, and then go out again, get water, bring it back, um, so that her family can have water to drink. Um, the story about the young man, uh, it was, like I said, in the 80s, it was during the conflict of Sudan, before South Sudan became a, a nation. And he was, uh, he was what's called one of the lost boys of Sudan. And during that those, that time frame, there were about 20,000 or so young boys, children, that made their way because of the war. Uh, their parents sent them away from their villages, and they made their way to Ethiopia. And then they ended up having to make their way to Kenya. And again, like I said, these are young boys. This is the African wilderness. And there's soldiers out there. And because Child soldiers was a big deal back then. They would, they would force children to become soldiers, young boys. And so the parents didn't want that for their sons. And so I think it was about 20,000 children, boys, mostly that, that traveled this treacherous, this treacherous course. And several of them, um, long story short, several of them were able to uh, relocate to America, to different countries. And so this young man, his name was Salva, and he was able to locate to America. And, but he still had a burden for, for the people of South Sudan, for his people. And he knew one of the greatest needs that they had was for water, for wells to be built, uh, for wells to be dug. And, and so as these two stories come together, this man Salva was of a tribe called the Dinka tribe. Whereas this uh, young girl, she was a tribe called the New Air tribe. And for generations and generations, these two tribes have not gotten along. They've fought each other. Even during the time that South Sudan was fighting against Sudan, uh, those two tribes were both fighting against Sudan, but then also both fighting each other at the same time. And so for years, hundreds of years even, they've, they've fought each other and not gotten along. Um, but Salva, as a a man of a, the Dinka tribe, his goal was to just dig wells wherever he could. And as it comes to the end of the book, 
Uh, he digs well in that village where that young girl is. And even though she was of a tribe that was hated by his own tribe, you know, his desire was to bring South Sudan together. And part of that was through digging wells and, and bringing water. And so I was able to read that book. And it actually, on our display, we have the children's version of it, picture version of it, called Naya's Long Walk. Um, and after just reading that, that book, I, you know, I couldn't help but think about this passage and the need not only for physical water and clean physical water, but also the need for the water of life to reach those people. And how that those people are, are thirsty. And they're seeking, many of them seeking every day um, for something. They, they may not even know what it is, but there's something empty in their heart. And they're seeking for that. So I couldn't help but think about that and, and think about this passage. And the Lord laid this passage on my heart um, in that way. And so when we come to this passage, we see that Jesus is on a trip here to Jude, from Judea, traveling from Judea to Galilee. And the normal route that the Jews, Jews would take, uh, well, the most direct route was to go from Judea up through Samaria into Galilee. And most Jews didn't want to take that route because they hated the Samaritans. And the Samaritans, well, basically the Samaritans were... Uh, what you call, I guess, half-breed. Um, they were part Jew, part Gentile. So the Jews hated those people. And so most of the time, Jews would travel around, and they would go the long way around. But as we see in this passage, it says that Jesus, it says in verse 4 that, and he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Jesus, you know, Jesus, when he, when he was on this earth, he was here to do his father's work. We see that several times in the Bible. When he was, from the time he was 12 years old, he told Joseph and Mary he's here to do his father's work. And uh, even in this, this own passage here, that he tells his disciples that uh, he tells them in verse 34 that my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And so Wherever Jesus went, he was doing the will of his father. And he knew his father wanted him to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. That's why it says he must needs go through Samaria. Now, I'm sure the disciples were less than thrilled about going through Samaria. I, I doubt they wanted to go there. It's fairly early on in Jesus' ministry at this point, And he recently called his disciples. So I'm sure they were not thrilled to go through Samaria and just wanted to go through it and get out of there. You know, just travel through there as fast as they could. But it says that they stopped at a city called Sychar. Okay, they basically made a rest stop there to eat, to refresh themselves. And you know, if you've been on a long road trip from time to time, you may need to stop and may need to stop to rest. Sometimes it, you might just go as far as you can and then stop wherever the, the, the best place is to stop. Or you might plan it out. Okay, we're going to stop here. And for Jesus, this was a predetermined rest stop, in a sense. He, determined, he knew that there was a people here that he needed to minister to. And again, like, like I said, with the disciples, they probably just wanted to go into the city, get their food, 
eat it and get out. Um, but Jesus had different plans. He had different plans, and we thank the Lord that he did. Um, so we see as the disciples have gone to town, uh, the Samaritan woman comes to the water, comes to this well to draw water. And Jesus is sitting there, and he starts to talk to her. Now, by doing this, Jesus was ca uh, crossing many cultural boundaries. Um, first of all, most Jewish men wouldn't talk to women out in public, um, even their own wives. And... Of course, they wouldn't talk to Samaritans either. So this is a Samaritan woman, and he starts to talk to her, and obviously we see that she's in shock. It's like, basically, she's, she's saying, How are, why are you even talking to me? How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest of me a drink, which am a woman of Samaria? So she's taken back. Like, why is this, what is, what's up here? Why is this man even talking to me? Um, but... You know, Jesus, we know who he is. We know he's the Savior. And he, he had a heart for souls, had a desire for souls. And if anyone were to, uh, if you were want, wanting to learn more about uh, soul winning and kind of a pattern for soul winning, this would be a perfect passage. Because first of all, we see that Jesus helps her see that she has a need. Helps her see that he has something that she doesn't have. And kind of gets uh, her desirous for what Jesus has. And really that's kind of the first step of soul winning is showing people that you have something that they don't have. And part of that might just be living the Christian life. And people will see, you know, they have something. They have something that I need. They have something that I want, that I desire to have. And that's what Jesus was showing this woman here as he talked about water. Because he knew every day she would come to this well for water. She would come and, and pull, uh, bring her, her water pitcher, her jar. And uh, he knew that she needed water. And so he spoke to her need there and told her that he has a water that is living water. A water that... Um, will quench her thirst for eternity. Now she, of course, was still focused on the physical. She still didn't understand who Jesus was and what exactly he was saying. And because the woman says that, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. So we obviously see that she's still focused on the physical and not wanting to come to this well, drink of this water, and she won't ever thirst again. But we know that Jesus was talking spiritually. Jesus was talking about spiritual water. You know, there's a host of people in this world who uh, are in need spiritually, need that, need that water, need the water of life. And, you know, there's religions in this world that try to offer some type of uh, hope for eternity, but they can't offer any hope. They're dry, and they're in need of true water. Now, if you've ever done much physical activity, gone on a run or something like that, you know, that we are in need of water. And, uh, you know, let's, let's say that there's someone in need. I maybe go running with somebody. Oops. And so I get my water 
and then I give them a water, and this is what I give them. It's just an empty, wow. an empty bottle of water. Yeah. Um, you know, this isn't going to really do them much good. I mean, they may try to uh, get whatever drops there might be in there or tear it apart to try to get water out or beg it to produce some type of water, but it's not going to do anything for them. And, you know, that's what a lot of religions in this world are. They, they're basically an empty bottle of water. And we see that in cultures all across this world who don't know Jesus Christ, have never heard the name of Jesus. Uh, we see that people are searching for something. I mean, you see the, the religion of Hinduism and the millions of gods. You know, one god didn't do anything for them, so they look for another god. And another God, another God, and, they, and soon they have these millions of gods, but they're still in search. They're still in search of the true water of life, but it's empty. It's all just emptiness. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, as I guess you say, cults out there that also, they may say, oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus. And, but they add in a bunch of other stuff that is not needed. So, what if I were to give somebody, you know, somebody that's thirsty, a bottle like this? Uh, it looks disgusting, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, there's some of the same water. I, I didn't take all the water out, okay? There's some of that same water in there. Just added a little bit of stuff from our backyard. <laughs> but... I mean, who would, in their right mind, want to even come up here and, and drink this? Right. Who would want to do that? Good. And you know, these pe people who are adding so many things to the gospel or trying to add, add so much stuff to the water of life, to, to, the, to the need of just having a Savior, the need of... The fact that only Jesus can offer true water of life. You know, all they're doing is adding a bunch of weight, adding a bunch of junk that is not needed. And in the end, it's not going to help anybody. This isn't going to help anybody. And really, it's going to do more harm than good. Because this is, I don't know, probably might be some diseases in there, I don't, you know. <laughs> but um, it might give a person a false hope of some type of eternal life. When in reality, what they need is true water, That's right. the true water of life, Amen. the real water. Amen. And so Jesus, of course, knew this, and he knew this woman's need. And so the next thing he um, transitions to is he wants, to, he wants this woman to realize that she is a sinner. And so he asks her, you know, to go bring your husband. And he knew who she was. He knew that she was uh, living a promiscuous life. But he wanted her to realize that. He wanted her to repent of her sins and realize who she is. And, of course, the woman, she realized, okay, this man knows who I am. This man knows that because Jesus said, thou hast had five husbands. And... The one that you're with is not your husband. And so she automatically thinks, okay, he must be some type of prophet. Uh, 
there's something different about this, this man. There's something different about this person. And she tries to bring in some of her religion, and she, she, she brings up, uh, in that day, kind of a controversial subject, how the Jews, they worship God in Jerusalem, but the Samaritans, they'd worship God on this mountain, is what it says, Mount Gerizim. And they, would, they believed that worshiping God ought to take place there. And, but Jesus, of course, tells her that uh, the only place to worship God, or well, I'll go ahead and read it. It says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then I love verse 25 and 26. It says, And the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. And when he is come, he will tell us all things. And, you know, you can kind of stop right there. And we know that who she's talking to. She's talking to Jesus. And she's talking to Jesus about himself. And then Jesus right there, he reveals that. Well, he says in verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And I think right then the light, you know, came on in her life. She realized this person I'm talking to, I mean, he knows who I am. He knows that I'm a sinner. This person is the Messiah himself, Jesus Christ himself. And during their conversation, the disciples come back. The disciples come back uh, in verse 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. So, you know, they were even surprised that Jesus was crossing these cultural boundaries to talk to this woman. And so then the woman left her water pot and went into the city. And then Jesus uh, takes the time to teach his disciples something. You know, they're, they're focused on the physical. They're more than likely uh, focused on just getting out of there. You know, they don't want to have anything to do with the Samaritans. As, you, as we see, uh, it doesn't look like they brought anybody to Jesus out of that city. They had gone into the city. They had interacted with people. So, you know, we can ask, well, why didn't they bring anyone to Jesus? I mean, they knew who Jesus was. And they could have brought people to Jesus. But in many ways, many ways I believe that at that time, at least in their life, now we know that they changed later on and they, got, they, they grew a love for people, for all people, and even reaching to Gentiles. But at this time, uh, they were more than likely still just very prejudiced against the Samaritans and against Gentiles. And so, but Jesus wanted to teach them a lesson. And he, he's teaching them here um, that there is a harvest. And the harvest is not just to Gentile people. And I believe as he's talking to his disciples here that uh, the woman has gone back to Samaria. She's telling the people and they're starting to come. Okay, so you, you can see the people coming out of the city, coming toward the well to see who Jesus is. And Jesus is telling his disciples, uh, and I believe he's pointing, he's saying the harvest yeah. truly is plenteous. And the, he's telling them the harvest is right here. This is the harvest. And he teaches them about the fact that even those who sow, those who reap, they're all going to receive reward. They're all going to be joyful. They're all going to rejoice. Uh, and so he's teaching them about soul winning, about reaching souls, about loving people, loving the way God loves. As our theme says, loving God's way. No matter who a person is, no matter whether you like a person or not, we ought to love people as God loves them. Love them 
as God loves them. And so there in verse 39 through 42, we read that the Samaritans come to Jesus, and some of them believed because of the woman's testimony. Some of them, as Jesus tarried there two more days, they believed because of Jesus' words. And again, I'm, I'm sure the disciples were less than thrilled to stay there two more days. Uh, but that was God's plan. That was the Father's plan. You know, it, they were heading to Galilee, but God had planned somewhere else along the way. And God's business is, to reach, is for us to reach people wherever we are. No matter where God has us, you know, there's people that are thirsty for the truth. They're thirsting for the truth. And whether you're at your job, whether you're at a restaurant, or uh, no matter where you go, you know what, there's people that are in need of Christ. Throughout this city, there's people that are in need for the Savior. And sometimes we may not understand why God has us where we are. Um, a couple, few weeks ago, Brother Sam Benswang and I were able to go up to Stillwater and attend a preacher's meeting. And on the way back, uh, we had a tire blow. And, you know, we may not have understood, okay, why is this happening? But we just, you know, got out of the car and started to uh, try to, you know, change the tire. Um, unfortunately, the uh, lug nut wrench that we had was too small. So it's like, okay, now what are we going to do? <laughs> Um, but providentially, maybe a minute later, a pickup truck came up, and it was some kind, of record, some kind of record service. And the guy got out and changed the tire within a few minutes, and we were able to give him a track, and he was kind of hurrying on his way. He left, and, you know, we may not know the full reason why even God allowed that to happen. Maybe it was because that, that man needed a track. Maybe it was... Uh, and like I said, we don't know exactly, even if he read it. Uh, but wherever we're at, wherever we go, where, whatever place we're at in life, we need to know that there's people that are thirsty. There's people all around us that need Christ. And I thank the Lord that for a good number of years I was able to work in the secular workforce, and for about seven years um, I was able to work at O'Reilly Auto Parts uh, Warehouse. And, you know, there's countless people right there at, um, there on Reno and MacArthur in that warehouse that are in need of a savior. And, you know, there's people from all different cultures there too. You know, in my time that I, seven years that I worked there, I worked with people from uh, Kenya, Lebanon, India, uh, Guam, Costa Rica, uh, Native Americans, Black Americans, White Americans, all different people, all different walks of life, but all had the same need. They all, all need a Savior. And I pray that in some way, over the years, as many Heartland students have worked there, that that there has, uh, thankfully, that there has been a testimony there, and pray, we're praying that God would work, continue to work in people's hearts there. And also thankful for, you know, the bus ministry here, and, and for a good number of years was able to teach uh, third grade boys and go, vi I did what I could to try to visit uh, um, the boys in the class, 
and uh, and it'll sometimes just break your heart when you go and make those visits and see the broken lives and the people, uh, the children, and how they're raised. Uh, there was one young man, I believe it was bus 12, named Aaron, that really, when I went and visited him, just really broke my heart to see just the situation. And most of the time when he would come to church, he'd fall asleep. In Sunday school, he'd fall asleep in junior church. So sometimes you're thinking, so why are you coming if you're just coming here to sleep? Uh, but when I visited where he was, you know, they op opened the door and um, you pretty much leave the house smelling like marijuana. And there was one time we went there and the mom was a little afraid to open the door because she said the night before there had even been a shooting. Um, I can imagine that the reason why he may come is because the only place he sees Christ's love is is here at church. Even though he's falling asleep, he knows that there's people here that care for him. And so again, we may not understand, you know, where God has us. Heartland student, uh, you know, you're here at Heartland for four years, maybe some people more. And you may be waiting for the time where you're going to go get out in ministry. And, you know, you're excited, looking for that day that, oh, someday I'll be able to go out in ministry. Someday I'll be able to go out and minister to people. Uh, but, you know, we don't know when the Lord's going to come back. And the Lord has you here for a reason. Amen. He has you at your job place, wherever you work. He has you here for a reason. Amen. And you ought to be ministering to people right here in Oklahoma City because there's countless people right here in Oklahoma City who, who need God, who are in need of a Savior. People all around us. And it goes for church members as well. Wherever we go, we can, we can walk out these doors. Um, and I mean, you, you don't have to go very far to walk out these doors, and we know that there's people that need a Savior. There's people all around us. And as missionaries, you know, our, of course, the Lord's called us to our respective fields, and, and that's where God is leading us. That's where God is calling us. And God has a purpose for each one of us, wherever God leads us. But let's not look past today and what God can do through us today in someone's life and looking into uh, some future ministry or some future job opportunity or, or something else and forget about the people that are around us and forget about the souls that are in need of a Savior right around us. Um, as Jesus, his goal was to reach people. No matter where he was, he was to reach people. His desire was to tell people about, about himself, about the gospel, how that they could have eternal life and how that they could drink of the water of life. Let's go to God in prayer. Thank you, Father, so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love and thank you for how you care for souls. And no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, you care for people, you love people, and help us to do the same, love people how you love them, and care for people how you care for them, and spread your gospel to those around us. Lord, we love you, and pray this in Jesus' name, amen.